0: good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Hello, podcasters. I wanted to pop on today to be a blessing to you. And the topic on today is spiritual apathy. How many of you know that it is so difficult to operate, whether you're in the workplace, whether you're at church, I don't care where you're at, but it is challenging (laughs) to operate with someone that has a spirit of I don't care, and that's what apathy is on today. Because some people may not have even heard that term used, but today's topic is spiritual apathy. And believe it or not, uh, Christians, believers, they suffer sometimes with spiritual apathy, they get themselves into a place that they just don't care. And believe it or not, in Ecclesiastics, Solomon said that there's nothing new under the sun. And what that means in the scriptures when he says there's nothing new under the sun, and then he goes to quote all these different things. He's basically trying to get us to understand that there's nothing that can happen that hasn't already happened. So what that leads me to believe is that even with spiritual apathy if we find ourselves in a place of i don't care that we can go to the word of god and find the answer and how to resolve that i don't care attitude because having an i don't care attitude is very very spiritually dangerous to our souls as believers there's no way we can have healthy spirits and walk through life with a attitude of, I don't care, and have an expectation to grow to the maturity that's expected of us in Christ. So we're going to just tackle this topic. And I know, you know, some of the times the topics are a bit difficult to uh, understand, or it might even be not even so much of understanding it, but more uh, along the lines of just difficult to chew on because we don't like to talk about those areas that we just don't want to deal with. And I think when we talk about the word apathy, we don't oftentimes want to admit we get into slumber sometimes and we just don't care. Um, I'm going to come out of two scriptures today. And the first one is going to be Hosea 12 and 5. And then I'm going to braid that scripture along with Hosea 13 and six. So I'm going to braid two scriptures together on today to give you a good, clean, uh, backdrop and principle on, uh, this thing called spiritual apathy. And, and I'm hoping on today, as we go through this and we talk about the children of Israel and how they suffer with spiritual apathy and, and how God handled it at the time and and what he told them and what he thought about it um, and how he dealt with it, we can take that as a backdrop and as a uh, sound advice to how we should deal with it today. So without further ado, we'll go right into the scriptures and then we'll just go right into the teaching. So the first scripture I'm going to come out of is um, Hosea 12 and 5. And Hosea 12 and 5 reads like this. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. So now come back to your God. Act on the principles of love and justice and always live in confidence and dependence on your God. So what that's saying is, um, and actually I went into verse five and I also went into verse six. So it was actually 12, five and six. So let me read that one more time for you. So Hosea uh, verses 12, 5 and 6. So 5 says, the Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. So now come back to your God, act on the principles of love and justice, and always live in confidence, dependence on your God. We're going to hop over to verses Hosea 13 and six. And that reads like this. But when you had eaten and were very satisfied, then you became proud and forgot about me. I'm gonna read that again. I'm in Hosea chapter 13, verse six. But when you had eaten and were Satisfied then you became proud and forgot about me, okay, so a bit of backdrop on this scripture is actually pretty interesting. What is happening at this particular time in Israel is that Israel is basically doing good in life, and you know how we do um, if we parallel this with uh what we do today, you get to a place where, okay, you're doing good in life, you're satisfied, you have some of the things you want, you've worked. Uh, hard. And now uh, God has provided you uh, some blessings. So that's where they at. They have abundance and possessions. And at this time, these abundance and possessions have allowed them to become too comfortable in their self-sufficiency. And as they become comfortable in their self-sufficiency, it's causing them to turn their backs on God. So what you're seeing in 13 and 6 is, is a result of that, a result of them being super comfortable in the successes that they've achieved. Now they're self-sufficient and they've turned their back on God. And God is actually showing you that in the verse, he says, but when you had eaten and were satisfied. So when you received these successes and now you're satisfied, then you became proud. So now you all into yourself. You all puffed up with the achievements that you've uh, accomplished in life. And you forgot about me. And as I read that and I I just stop and I just ponder for a minute before we break that back into verse uh, 12 and five, we have to understand that all success is given by God. Period. That's that's scripture. That's not me making that up. The word of God says that he makes your efforts a success. That's how the scripture is worded. You don't believe me? You can go ahead and and grab your phone because I'm sure you have your phone or somebody's in front of a computer because we're all plugged in in this time in our lives. Type in what I just said and the scripture will pop up for you. The Lord makes our efforts a success. That's what he does. And, and, And that scripture is there to allow us to formulate in our mind and understand that we don't have success unless the Lord blesses our efforts. So what that tells me is I can do all that I know how to do in and of myself. But if God don't say yes, I'm not going to get anything. And, and and this is something that it took me a while to wrap my mind around. And I know for a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to take, you know how they do a moment of silence, I'm going to give you a moment of silence for three seconds because I want you to get a moment to wrap your mind around that. Because some people can't wrap their mind around the fact that your hard work really didn't get you anything if God don't say yes to it. And it's hard, I know, because there's a part of you in the inside that's saying right now and it's screaming out. It's arguing with what I'm saying and it's saying this. Well, I went to school for that and I worked hard for that and I sacrificed and I, you know, I did this for that. And there was many days I did this, 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 this and that for that. And that's how I got that. We align all these things that we did to obtain what we have. We can take something so basic as a degree. I look at my life and I say, OK, I obtained this degree. Well, I studied. The teacher gave me assignment and then I did all these things. And then that's how I obtained my degree. I have the evidence of it. But the reality of it, if God didn't give me good health, if he didn't give me the intelligence, if he didn't give me the favor from the teacher because he gives me the intelligence, which is the gift. He gives me the talent, which is the no. He gives me the favor, which is having the king's heart in his hand. He gives me the the other set of favor with the school to have the degree completed to even get it. None of that has anything to do with me. Now, uh, and I'm gonna back up because I wanna clarify that. Do you have a, a small percentage of that? You do. But what I'm saying is you can still do all of those things, and if God says no, you're not gonna get it. That's why it's crucial for you to understand that God makes your efforts a success. If He says no to you, you can do anything you want to do, you can go out here and make all the money in the world. And if God says no, you're not gonna be successful, you're just not gonna be successful because He's determined the fact that you're go- that the answer is no. Now, we can argue a- another uh, fact. Of what is success, like we can take this down all types of uh analysis and and lay it out, you know. But what I'm saying is the word of God is clear, and He makes your efforts a success. And once we can get our mind wrapped around that, then we can understand what I'm trying to relate to you in the backdrop here. The backdrop that I'm laying for you and, and then stay with me because the title of this is spiritual apathy. And apathy is the attitude that I don't care. I don't care. I don't care one way or the other. I show up at work and you know what? I really don't care. You know, if, if they give me something, they give me something. If they don't, they don't. You know, I really don't care. You know, they telling me I need to do my job better, but I really don't care. And even though the word of God says I should be operating in excellence, And I'm a believer and I'm a reflection of God and my light is shining in the workplace. But you know what? I really don't care. It don't matter. Even though I'm going to church every week or reading my, I'm supposed to, well, I'm supposed to be reading my word, but you know what? During this time it's post COVID or, or mid, let's call it mid COVID. And, you know, I don't feel like reading my Bible no more because the churches that went away, I just really don't care. You know, I don't care no more because, you know, if it was supposed to be church, you know, I would be reading. I would uh, then that would give me a reason to read my Bible. But I don't want to read it now. Like we have all these excuses as to how we slip into the spirit of apathy. And matter of fact, let's just go there. I mean, we already there. Anyways, because the children of Israel, which was the original backdrop I gave you, they had gotten to a place where they had obtained the things that they wanted to have. God had given them abundance and possessions. They had asked God for them, And, you know, God is gracious. He said the word of God says he delights in blessing us. He wants to bless us. What does it mean to delight in blessing you? This is not me making this up. This is the word of God. So you can write this down. He delights in blessing us. What does it mean when someone delights in doing something for you? It means they're head over heels to do it for you just because they just want to do it for you. They're not doing it for you off some preconceived notion. They're not doing it for you because they have an expectation to get something back. They're not doing it for you because somebody told them to do it for you. They're doing it for you because they just totally is head over heels for you and they delight in blessing you. The word of God says he delights in blessing you. The word of God also says he desires to give you the desires of your heart. That's what he wants to do. So if we serve a God who loves you And his foundations is built on love and justice. And you say, okay, why do I say his foundations are built on love and justice? Let's go braid it on in with the scripture. We already, we already teaching now. I'm gonna go ahead and teach. Um, We off the backdrop. We already know what the backdrop is. Um, We are dealing with a set of people who um, have received some things in life, they feel they're overly established right now, they're self sufficient. Self-sufficient, meaning now they they a little bit puffed up. They feeling themselves. They got pride going on, and now they forgot about God. That's the backdrop. Now I need you to lay that over where some some different areas in your life where you feel that you have arrived in that area, and you're and you're at a place that you are really not taking that time that you used to take with God. And then maybe you don't feel like you arrived in the area. Maybe you just slacking off. Maybe you just are at this point that you've now made excuses for why you aren't on fire like you used to be on fire for Christ when you first was sold out for Christ. When you first began to listen to the podcast, you was on fire. But now people got to beg you to read your Bible. Uh, Matter of fact, sometimes you don't even want to read your Bible. It's hard for you to read your Bible. It's hard for you to do devotions. It's hard for you to journal. It's hard for you to do anything that uh, is pertaining to spending time with God. Matter of fact, when people say God, you're just kind of like, okay, you know, whatever. Yeah. You're not where you used to be pre-COVID. And the reason I say pre-COVID is so that we can all have a reference point and we can all Pick somewhere in time and lay this template over our lives. Now, not listening to this word from me and taking it from a perspective of saying, Oh, this is a good word and this is for somebody else. No, if, if you're listening to this, this is a good word for you. This is not a good word for somebody else. This is a good word for you. As God was dealing with me on this thing, I had to take an examination of myself. Every time I sit and I get a word. For you and and be able to do a download to y'all, he first deals with me. And he was dealing with me like, you know, before, you know, pre-COVID, where were you at with me? And then in the midst of COVID, where were you at? And then as you coming through this tail end of COVID, where are you at? And, And when we talk about this backdrop, how does that line up when we lay it over your entire life up until this point? You know, are you finding yourself, uh, trending upward and on a constant upward trend, or are you up, down, up, down, no consistency, you know, in your life, or are you just, you up, and then you find yourself at a place that I just don't care anymore, and I don't know why I don't care anymore, because that's challenging too, and that's, that is what, what I'm talking about on today, that is the, the, challenge of spiritual apathy. When you are spiritually um, apathetic, it's in a place that it's a dangerous place to be because you don't care. And when you don't care about God's principles, you have no standard. If you have no standard, then you're going to seek after All the lust of your heart. Your heart is wicked. Who could know the heart? That's the word of God. The word of God says the heart is so wicked. Who could know the heart? It says, man, when they begin to seek after all the lust that they want, we don't have no boundaries. Man, in and of himself, we all have fallen short and of the glory of God. We all have sinned. So what happens is, if we have nothing to cage us—no principles, no morals, no values, no ethics, no belief system—what happens? Then men just do men. And when I say men, I'm I'm saying that in a way that it's men for mankind. What happens is we just start doing any and everything that we want to do. Whatever comes to your mind today, you want to do it. If you feel like you want to go outside and and, and go off on somebody, you do it. If you feel like, you know what, I saw this movie and people were shooting people up at a school. I think I want to go try to shoot somebody up at a school. You go do it. If you see somebody on TV killing somebody, you feel like you want to go out there and see how it feels to kill somebody. That is dangerous. That's what that's what I'm talking about. And people say, oh, that's kind of extreme. Don't you think that's kind of extreme? No, it's not extreme, because what happens is you don't have any standards when you have an attitude of I don't care. Because an attitude of I don't care is an attitude of laziness. The attitude of I don't care means everybody can do whatever it is that they want to do. I just really don't care. That's why if you ever get an opportunity, look up uh, when we study leadership and management. We have transformational leaders, authentic leaders, but we have apathetic leaders that we talk about and apathetic leaders. We say they infect the workplace when we say they infect the workplace it's like cancer, because when you have an apathetic leader, this is how challenging it is. We'll take it out of the context of. Uh, dealing with it in from a spiritual standpoint. We'll just take it and drop it into the workplace. Let me ex- expand on that thing for you for a moment, since um, my specialty is management. So what ends up happening is when you have an apathetic leader who's in the workplace, and, and picture this, you're your supervisor is this apathetic leader who who, who doesn't care. He, he shows up at the, and he's upper level management too. We'll, we'll give him that title. He's upper level management, upper level management, trust him. He shows up to get the information from upper level management and he sh- shows up and does his lower level management with you guys to give you the information that comes from upper level management. Cause that's pretty much how companies run. You know, they have their meetings with the upper level bosses and they bring it down to the level managers, and then they pass the information down to the employees. So what ends up happening when you have this type of leader inside of the workplace, he doesn't care. So he shows up at his upper level management meeting, worried about who? Nothing. He don't care. He don't even care about himself. He just don't care about nothing in life. He's just wandering through life, aimlessly, no goals, no morals, no ethics. He don't even show up at the meeting with a notebook, paper, pen, a calendar, no necessities and things that he would need to write things down that will remind him so he can tell the people at the lower level frontline meeting of what happened at the meeting. So he goes to the meeting at the meeting. He's not even paying attention because guess what? He don't care. Apathetic people don't care he he's at the meeting but his mind's not at the meeting his mind is on something else his mind could be on going to mcdonald's afterwards who knows he don't care he leaves the meeting he comes to the next meeting he's all in robot mode he's talking at the next meeting about random stuff who knows what he's talking about because he didn't write anything down and then they're wondering like well uh did you understand exactly what he was talking about? No, I didn't understand what he was talking about. And they're shuffling for information to provide down to, uh, their employees. And now the employees don't know what's going on for the future events. That's happening a month from now, two months from now, two weeks from now. And, and, and God forbid we have a product due in the future that, and and that we all have to work on, uh, cross-functional teams and departments. And you have this, uh, apathetic leader who don't care that's not passing information that's affecting now the employees who are trying to figure out how to do a particular project to get this product out, but they don't have any of the resources they need because this apathetic leader isn't passing the information down. So now take this into consideration. There's always a consequence for everything, right? Because the wages of sin is death. So there's always a consequence. So in in the meantime of this, there's a consequence for the apathetic leader and there's a consequence for the people attached to him, um, whether they had anything to do with him having the attitude that he don't care. So let me show you how that plays out. So the employees who have to get this product out and do cross team uh, functional uh, coordination, they don't have any of the resources, any of the information, any of the timelines, the due dates. So they're scuffling to try to get this product. In the meantime, they're missing the Deadlines, so they're arguing amongst Each other, it's creating Confusion, strife Division amongst the employees And on top of that, now they're Demotivated, so their job satisfaction Is lower, now they Don't want to be associated with the company So they don't have any loyalty to the company Now they're disengaged, so now You, all the employee engagement programs That your HR department department Built for them to be engaged Into this company, that the owner of the company has worked so hard for the employees are now disengaged and they want to what walk away from the company and now you have employees that leave and the company has high turnover because of this what this apathetic leader this is how just from a basic standpoint an apathetic leader can uh Hurt you. And, and and if we take it in the context of uh, looking at it from a spiritual standpoint, when we don't care about the principles of God, you listening over a podcast and you're listening to these principles of God over and over again, and you never apply them. And you, you go out into and, and your regular day to day, you know, in your home doing whatever, and you just get all of a sudden gain this attitude that you don't care because maybe something happened to you. Maybe you didn't get the promotion at work. Maybe they didn't uh, pick you out for something and you just start having this attitude of you don't care. Your family can see that you don't care. So now you don't get groceries on time because you really don't care. It don't affect you anyways. You just have this negative attitude that comes out. You don't have any standards anymore. And that can be very challenging. It affects your relationship with Christ because um, post, let's go back to when I gave you the idea or the laydown down of uh, pre-COVID. Maybe you were on fire pre-COVID. You were doing your devotionals. You were doing all this stuff. And now when COVID happened, you allowed that to get inside of your spirit. And, you know, things were happening in the negativity and you stopped praying. You stopped doing the devotions because maybe you lost your job. Maybe uh things became very, very... uh. Rocky in your relationship with your spouse or with your kids or with your parents, or maybe someone passed away in your home. And during that time, instead of pulling closer to God, because remember, I told you two podcasts ago, when pain comes your way, the goal is to pull closer to God, not to pull away from God. You pull closer to God when challenges come. I can't say that. I don't know how many times I need to say that to you. When it gets difficult, I know you want to pull away and we want to pull into ourselves. That's the time to pull closer to God. That's the time to press in and to begin to pray. When you see that, you know what? I'm feeling like I don't want to read my Bible. I'm feeling kind of lazy. I'm feeling like, you know what? This spiritual thing just ain't working for me. That's when you have to say, Okay, let me police myself and let me pull closer to God. Something's going on here. Let me touch and agree with another person in fellowship so that I can be able to recenter and pull closer to God. See, you can't at that point in time when you are finding yourself in an apathetic state, say, well, I just you know what, maybe I'll feel better tomorrow. Maybe I'll feel better next week because, see, when you apathetic, you don't care. Your feelings shouldn't be playing a part in your relationship with God because your feelings will detour you from being with God. That's one thing. I'm, that, well, let's anchor there for a minute. I want to anchor there for a minute, because sometimes your feelings will pull you further from God. Your feelings can pull you further from God because God is God. Whether you feel like he got. I'm gonna say that one more time. I'm gonna say that. Yeah, I said it. I'm going to say that one more time. God is going to be God whether you feel like he's God. God loves you whether he, you feel like he loves you. He is God not predicated on how you feel. He's just God. And that's why you have to train yourself, train your mind to understand that I'm going to obey God because he's God. You can't do it predicated upon how you feel because we wishy-washy. We we feel one way one day, the next way, day we feel another way. It's not predicated upon how you feel. And when you when you're in this mode of being apathetic, trust me, you're never going to feel like you want to do nothing. You'll stay in that rut. So, you have to get yourself to a place that you say, "You know what?" Maybe I need to touch and agree with somebody else and they can give me an accountability check. That's why we have accountability partners so that I can move out of this because I already know through the evidence of the word of God and in the Bible in Hosea 13 and 6, what happens to people when they're apathetic? 13 and 6 says, but when you had eaten and were satisfied. So when you get into a state that you have things and you become satisfied and then you become proud. You have the potential to forget about me. You have that potential to do that. And and when you do that and you forget about me, you can read on in the story. And verse 7 says what happens. So now I will attack you like a lion or like a leopard that lurks along the road. I will rip you to pieces like a bear whose cubs have been taken away. I will tear you apart and devour you like a hungry lion. You are about to be destroyed. O Israel, though, I am your helper. Where now is your king? Why don't you call on for call to him for help? Where are all of your leaders in the land? You asked for them. Now let them save you now. Anger, I gave you kings, and in my fury I took them away. I mean, you can finish reading this scripture on to get a take on what happens when we get this proud attitude towards God. That's not the way we want to go. Now, I don't want to end there where you feel like, "Wow, he came in and he just did." Did God just destroy them? No. As you read Hosea, it tells you that it's laid. This book is laid down in such a way that it talks about. The judgment of God, the salvation of God, and the promises of God. So, God is a God of restoration. He always desires to restore us and to bring us unto Himself. He's already showed us that in the Garden of Eden. When they made a mistake, Eve eats the fruit, gives it to her husband. He has to tell them to leave the garden. He still creates. Uh, a place for them to be after that he decides to do the sacrifice puts clothes over them and he still has a relationship with them god is all about family he's all about restoring you back to him he tells us explicitly in the scriptures when people find themselves falling short he says what to turn from your evil ways so that you might be healed and hear from heaven so he's never at a place where he's saying you know what I'm, I ju- I'm angry and I'm doing this and I'm leaving you in that state and, and that's what you're going to get. No, that's not how God is. God is he's a God of love. He is love, but God is a God that he has to be justice. So let's go over to verse 12 and five, because this is going to allow me to break 12 and five. in so you can understand the attributes of God, because sometimes we we do things and we don't understand that. These are the attributes of God. What you're doing is going against God's attributes. You are doing something that's totally against God and who he is. And I believe when people really understand who he is, then you can really understand why this apathy is so dangerous to the growth, to you growing into a mature Christian. So let's go over to Hosea 12 and 5. 12 and 5 reads like this. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. So basically in verse five, we are setting the foundation so you can know who we're talking about because we don't want you to get confused with who we're talking about. We are talking about the Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. So this is who we're talking about. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. This is how we address him. So now come back to your God. So he's saying, okay, so this is who he is, the Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. Now, now come back to him. So if he's saying to come back to him, that means you had to go away from him. Because no one's going to tell you to come back if you're already there. So he's saying this he, they're specifying who to come back to first. So they're basically laying it out. This is who we talking about. This is how we address him and come back to him. That means you're somewhere else that you probably not supposed to be if they're telling you to come back. So let's keep on going in the scriptures. It says, "So now, I'm at verse 6, 12 and 6. So now, come back to your God, act on the principles of love and justice, and always live confident dependence on your God. Okay, so let's back up on that. It says, so now come back to your God, act on the principles of love and justice, and always live in confident dependence on your God. Okay, so what does that mean? That means when I look at that, it says, act on the principles of love and justice. They, they're telling you God's principles right there. The two principles that Hosea called this nation to, to live by was love and justice. He's saying, this is how you need to live. It's by love and justice. These are the very foundational uh, principles of God's character. So if you didn't know, now you know. You hear everyone say, God is love. I'm, I'm now expounding on one other principle of God. It's right here in your face. His other principle is justice, love and justice. And he's calling a nation to act on love and justice. You say, so why is that important? It's important because a person that's apathetic has the attitude that I don't care. They are not acting out of love they not acting out of justice. They're not acting out of nothing because they don't care. They, I don't even matter of fact, I would venture to, to wonder if they even care about themselves. They don't care. So when we understand that God is calling us as a nation to act on the uh, fundamental principles of love and justice, they are essential. They are essential to us as believers. Are they easy? to 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 act on no the key is to try to keep love and justice in balance because if we don't keep love and justice in balance it can be detrimental you say okay what do you talk about it can be detrimental when you don't keep love and justice in balance then what happens that you have people uh acting too uh according to the law uh, issuing the law too heavy Without taking into consideration love, then if you're acting with too much love, then you're not looking at someone's wrongdoing, so you need love and justice that's why the Lord says what He reigns over the just and the unjust okay let now let's let's let's, let's expand on that. so what does that mean? That means when the sun comes up every day, the sun comes up over the uh pimp and it comes up over the pastor. The pastor goes to church to save the sheep. The sun comes up and it shines on him. The pimp is out there hustling and doing whatever, and the sun still comes up and it shines on him. Now, one would want it to be where the sun don't shine on the pimp because uh, he doing this and he doing that, but God reigns over the just and the unjust because He's just, and that's what I love about him. He's consistent. He's not gonna change himself because someone decides they wanna go do something crazy. And that's actually working in your favor because think about when you fall short. Think about if you decide you wanna have a bad day today and go through the drive-through and they didn't give you your fries and you come back around all fast through the drive-through with a bad attitude. He didn't stop the rain or stop the sun from shining on you that day. He gave you what? Mercy. He reigns on the just and the unjust. And because he has that love, that's how you receive that mercy when you are all out of the box. See, it's important for us to understand that because love without justice leaves people in their sins because it is not aiming at a higher standard. Justice without love drives people away from God because it has no heart. Let me read that for you again. Love without justice leaves people in their sins. Because it is not aiming at a higher standard. Remember I said apathetic people, they have no standard. They don't care. Without a standard, how can we please God? There has to be a standard. And it's not, it's not man's standard. It's God's standard. Okay, you say, okay, what do you mean God's standards? I thought you couldn't, like you can't buy your way into Christ. You can't blah, blah, blah. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say God's standard, when you got saved and, and you received salvation freely, then now you become a new creature. When you become a new creature, you are now supposed to operate what? Christ-like. So now when you become Christ-like, you do what? Christ-like stuff. So Christ-like stuff means that when I look at you, you shouldn't be looking world-like because the world says you would be doing one thing christ says you would be doing another you say okay jasmine what do you mean okay i'm ready to i'm ready to go deep for you so what that means is when the world would tell you to hit somebody back because they hit you the word of god says to turn the other cheek and let them hit that other cheek the when the world would tell you to uh hustle, make all the money you can, uh, the word of God is not telling you that. It's telling you to store up your your stuff and your treasures in heaven so that your crown, you can receive your crown in heaven. See, it's contrary to the the way that the word of God is and the principles are are contrary to the way that the world is. And and we know that because it says you're in the world, but you're not of the world. So the, the blessing in that is that I can be here but I don't have to be of the world, so I can be here and still live by the principles of God, still receive the blessings of God, be in two places at one time. Just like that, I can be in two places at one time and be blessed, and be blessed. To me, that's an awesome thing. And and to 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 put the icing on the cake, once I become Christ-like and I'm saved, now I have the highest. Credentials representing God because it says I'm an ambassador. He says that you are an ambassador for Christ. And what does that mean to be an ambassador for Christ? That means I am here with the highest credentials representing Christ. So if I'm representing Christ and I have the highest credentials, let's, now let's build this thing. If I'm representing Christ with the highest credentials, do, how do we look if I'm an apathetic person? That don't even line up. It don't even match. It's mitch Matt. It don't even make sense because those aren't the attributes of Christ. He's not apathetic. He's not sitting in heaven with his legs crossed, drinking lemonade, talking about, I don't care. He ain't saying he don't care. He's saying, I love you. And we know he's saying, I love you because he sent his only son into the world so that we might be saved. It says, when we were yet in sin, his son was sent here being led to the slaughterhouse. His son didn't say a word. He was being led to the slaughterhouse for our sins. And he was bruised for our sins, our transgressions and for our iniquities. He was on the cross taking every bruise for us. So that we what? So that we might be saved. Why are we saved? So that he might bridge the gap to God for us, because it said that they searched the earth and there was no one to be found who could to to help us to get in with the father. So the father does what? He has to make a resolution to the problem. And the problem is Jesus Christ. Well, the resolution is Jesus Christ to the problem to save us. And last time I checked, when I read the characteristics of Christ, he didn't say he didn't care. He didn't have the attributes of being apathetic. And we have to be careful, people of God. If we are in a place where I don't care, we need to stop. Ask God for forgiveness. Repent. I'm not here to beat you over your head. I'm saying repent. Do 180 degree, not a 360, 180 degree and begin to do what you know to be right. Because God loves you. He loves you and you have a fingerprint. No one can do what he's called you to do. You are unique and wonderfully made. No one can replace you. And if no one can replace you, the souls that are attached to what you are supposed to do, they are, their souls are at stake because you're not in place. So it's crucial for you to do a self-assessment on today and say, you know what? Am I apathetic? Am I like in this place where I'm kind of not caring every now and then? Because if you on the the tip of not caring, you need to catch yourself now or allow the Holy Spirit correction, allow the Holy Spirit to catch you, correct you. So you don't, you're not, you not you do not fall completely over it. I mean, we need the Holy Spirit to do that, to correct us, to lead and guide us, to help us. The word of God says, let every man work out his own salvation. That's not something somebody can work out for you. You have to work it out for yourself. The reason you got to work it out for yourself is because you have to recognize how important and valuable the relationship you have with Christ is. Until you get to a place that you value the relationship, then you will let any and everything separate you from the love of God. You have to value that relationship. He showed you the greatest value when he sent his son for you. And his son showed you how much he loved you by staying on the cross voluntarily. He didn't jump off the cross last time I checked. He placed himself in between two thieves. He died between two thieves. A sinless lamb for you. Because he loves you. He recognized the value in you. You have something to give. I don't care where you're at in life. You have something to give. It's not too late for you. God loves you. You still have time to do all that God has called you to do. God will give you back and restore back unto you all the years that the canker room has, has eaten up. He will do it. He will restore unto you all that the enemy has stolen from you. God wants to bless you on today. Trust me on that. Again, this word is not to beat you up, but this word is to remind you, remind you, don't be apathetic. Move past that. A good person in the Bible uh, that we like to reference that was moving in one direction and God turned him around is Jacob. Jacob, uh, he uh, was known as a trickster. And all of a sudden. We he has this uh when I look at his life, what you have is not a result of his own efforts. But it's a result of God's graciousness in his life. He's turned around. So. I know that no matter what happens, God's love reaches wide. It reaches deep. It will reach you to get you to where he desired you to be. You just have to trust him. You just have to acknowledge him. And you just have to turn to him and pull close to him so he can begin to walk alongside you and start to do the work in your life. That's where God is at right now. He's in a place where he wants to pull intimate to his people. Matter of fact, I'm about to go into prophecy right now. God is desiring to be intimate with his people. He is thus saith the Lord. He desires to be intimate with you. He loves you. Who will you allow to separate you from the love of God? Will it be your job? Will it be your friends? Will it be the successes of life? Will it be a degree? Will it be the uh, searching for the love and the acceptance of uh, a pastor, a teacher, a model, a role model? Shame on you. God says he loves you. He's already accepted you. You don't have to look for acceptance. God says, I love you. I love you for you. I love you where you're at. He knows your faults. He knows your faults. I need to say that again for you. God knows your faults. He knew when you were going to make a mistake. He already loved you before that. A good example is Peter. He knew Peter was going to deny him. He knew it. He said it. The enemy desires to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. He prayed for Peter's faith. The Lord knows when we're going to fall short. He already took that into account. He paid the bill for it. And I need you to understand and know that one today before I close. He loves you. There's nothing you can do that's too hard for God. You didn't fall too far from him. The mistake you made is not too hard for him. I don't care if you had an abortion, you had a divorce. I don't care if you committed adultery. I don't care. It's not too hard for God. He loves you and he would have it that no one would perish on today. In this hour, in this season right now, during this portion, this part of the day, Right now, when you listen to this, God is saying he desires to be more intimate with you. He's pulling you closer to him right now. That's what's happening. He wants you to come closer. Do it voluntarily. Don't allow God to have to pull things away from you to get you to come closer to him. He wants to spend some time with you. I hear the Lord saying, Come closer, my daughter. Come closer, my son. I have something to tell you. I'm not in a thunder. I'm not in a storm. I'm not in the wind. But I'm alongside you in a still, small voice. I want to tell you that I love you. I want to tell you, you don't have to search for acceptance. I've already accepted you when I created you. I love you. Daughter, I love you. Son, I love you. And I'm closing. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the principles, the truths. We thank you for your holiness. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, God. We just thank you on today for being able to worship in the spirit and the beauty of holiness, God. We ask that you meet every listener on today where they stand in need of God. We come against the spirit of apathy on today. We bind it, God, in the name of Jesus. And we plead the blood of the lamb over each and every one of us who have fallen short in that area, God. And we repent, God. We ask for forgiveness In the the attitude of I don't care. In the attitude that I have enough time to do that. In the attitude of thinking that you would always be there. In the attitude of taking your grace for granted. God, we repent. We renounce those sins in the name of Jesus. And we allow your Holy Spirit to begin to do a new work, a new wash over us, God. I ask right now, God, that a fresh vision begin to fall on your people on today, that they would receive a new word on today, new revelation on today, new vision on today, so that they may know what you would have them to be doing in this hour, in this season, God. And as they begin to rest on this evening, God, allow them to go down in a perfect peace, God, and allow them to give fresh revelation, God, so that they may begin to hear what thus saith the Lord in this season, in this hour. And we love you. We'll be careful to give you the glory. And most of all, God, we'll be careful to give you the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen.